With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Joseph E. Green. He's been on my show a couple of times. We did shows on his excellently, uh, very well-researched books, Dissenting Views, Volume 1 and 2. And the full title is Dissenting Views, Investigations in History, Culture, and Cinema, and Conspiracy. And then another one was his recent book titled Tinfoil Hat Not Included, Conspiracy Theories in Art and Practice. And so you can go back and check those out. I can put links to them in the show notes. I recommend you listen to those and check out those books. But something came across, I think, my email, uh, something that I've always kind of been interested in, never had a show about, and that was kind of Jonestown. I have had an interview about a guy. His book was Colt City. That covered a little bit of Jones. So I knew a little bit, but there's a lot more to that story. And uh, so I watched kind of a good documentary about it and... I haven't been able to look through uh, Joseph's book. He only has it in paperback, is my understanding. But we're going to talk about the book that he wrote, and it's part of a series. The series title is CIA Makes Science Fiction Unexciting. And this will be, or this is number book number nine, titled Intro to the Jonestown Massacre Conspiracies. And I welcome back Joseph E. Green. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, William. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So for people who may not have heard our earlier shows, can you kind of... You've t- produced a lot of stuff. You've done plays. You're a film critic, private investigator. Uh, can you maybe talk a little bit about your career, your interests, your mentor, and what led sure. you up to this? Yeah, um, I've done a lot of different kinds of stuff. This is true. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a playwright. I've had a number of plays produced over the years. Um, I worked on a film, uh, made a documentary called King Kill 63, which is a whole other story because nobody can see it uh but oliver stone was in it and dick gregory and richard belzer and all these great uh researchers john judge and so on uh and uh yeah i used to be a private investigator for a while and i've also written a number uh, of books uh descending views of course the one and two and uh tinfoil hat that came out last year tinfoil hat not included which was kind of an analysis of conspiracy theories as a concept um, where I was trying to trying to draw the kind of intellectual parallels between conspiracy thinking and other kinds of reasoning. Um, and then, of course, I do a zine series for Microcosm Publishing, of which one of them is the introduction to the Jonestown Massacre. Right. So the Jonestown thing happened in 78. But, I mean, it's an incredible event. I was 10 at the time. But I just remember it on the news and loops. And it was kind of strange because there's only pictures and it, uh, reading through 
uh, John Judge's book, there's a reason why you only have these overshots or flyover pictures. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can talk about what the the public was told happened in Jonestown, and then we can maybe go into more detail. Yeah. So, and that's a good place to start because the work that I did is really an expansion of the work that John Judge had already done in his essay, The Black Hole of Guiana. Uh, and that was the essay that spurred me to meet John because I read this thing in a book called Secret and Suppress that was published by Feral House, Adam Parfrey. And um, I was so blown away by that particular article that I thought I have to meet this guy. And uh, so I did. And he essentially became my mentor and all this stuff. Um, he was my guide, you know, in the early days of when I was getting into all of this material, which is an alternative history of the United States that, you know, 99% of people are totally unaware of. And all of the kinds of mysteries that are in politics, like the reason we never understand what the hell's going on is because we don't have access to this material that some of that has changed because of the internet for good and for ill both. Um, but what I did was I tried to go into some of the history that John may not have been, uh, didn't have available to him. And also his mentor, May Brussel, who was doing this stuff in real time as it was happening. And one of the most astonishing, um, May, Br May Brussel used to joke with John that she should market herself as a psychic and then people would take her more seriously because one of the greatest calls she ever made in her life was May Brussel said one year before Jonestown blew up that she thought that the CIA was going there to train assassins. And she said it on her show almost exactly one year before all this, everything happened on November the uh, 18th, 1978. Uh, it's it, yeah, totally amazing. Right. And that's part of the story too, right? Is like the people didn't know that, but the Jonestown where it was built was the land was priorly owned by some other spook asset, right? Yeah. Well, so I, in, in, in my book, I go back to the end of the 15th century because Guiana is a little spot on sort of the Northeast corner of South America. And in that spot, there's a, it's, it's sort of like um, Brazil and other places in Latin America where there's tremendous amounts of natural resources. So back in the 15th century, the interest was primarily sugar. But since that time, there's tin, there's bauxite, there's uranium, there's gold. There's, it's, just, it's, it's just a wonderful place for natural resources, but uh, it's very difficult to, to extract that stuff. And it's incredibly difficult to live there. Like nobody wants to live there. Um, so the Dutch tried to colonize it going all the way back to the 15th century. Um, eventually, at a, in the, around 1620, sometime in the 1620s, uh, the Dutch were granted control. The, the Dutch West Indies Company. Most people are, are familiar with the Dutch East Indies Company. This was, this was founded about 20, I want to say about 20 years before the Dutch East India's company. And so what they were doing is they were trying, they, they were trying to get at that material. And part of what they did is they imported slaves. And that was true up until about the beginning of the 19th century when great Britain took it over and they did the same thing. They were importing slaves. So, and that has effects to this day. So for example, 
um, if you're doing, if you say, what is the population cross section of Guyana? Remembering that this is South America. So what is the largest population to this day in Guyana? That, that percentage is African-American or rather African from Africa. So right. African, South American, something uh, like that. Yeah. Right. And it, no, Africans that were, they are the sons and daughters of the people who were imported as slaves over the 400 years prior. And then the second biggest population are Indians, not Indians, but Indians from India, because they were imported as indentured servants by the British when they were in charge. So the legacy of slavery contributes to the fact that those the two largest populations in Guyana are non-native. Totally amazing, right, to yeah. this day. Um, and the other thing is that uh, there were various slave revolts over that time. And because the black slaves lived, generally speaking, in worse conditions than the Indian indentured servants, there was a great deal of tension between those two. And political parties to this day still are on those lines. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, it's, I mean, the, the legacy of colonization and slavery is a big part of the story of Jonestown in general. And then it really starts to heat up uh, right around the 1960s, because what happened was that Guyana technically was granted its independence around 1966. And one of the parties that emerged out of that was called the People's Progressive Party. And if you look today, the guy that's in charge of Guyana right now, although he's in a lot of trouble, there's a lot of stuff going on, represents still the People's Progressive Party. Well, in the late 60s, there was a guy named uh, Chetty Jagan, who was the representative of the People's Progressive Party. And we know he was actually a progressive. And the reason we, we know that is because very soon after he became a political figure, uh, there emerged another person, a guy named Forbes Burnham, who represented something called the, uh, I forget the exact thing, but it was the People's something rather. So they're a split off. And he's a liberal. So we got one guy who's a progressive, and then we have this other guy, Forbes Burnham, who went to the London School of Economics and is now the liberal. And that's the split. And that should sound familiar to anyone who follows politics whatsoever, right? You got you have someone who wants to change things. And so you immediately have a sort of milk toast version of that. And that person is the person with the money and the power. And that's what happened. So though, even though Chetty Jager was able to take office because of the presence of Forbes Burnham, he was able to split the vote and to neutralize that person's power. So again, we're going back to colonization and control, and it has to do with bauxite and uranium. And in fact, the that area, that part of Guyana that Jonestown grows up on, was owned by U Union Carbide at one time. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Right, notorious Union Carbide out of the India disaster football, right? Exactly. And that changes when a guy named George Philip Blakey uh, comes down to buy the land for Jonestown. And that's in 76. And this guy, Blakey, um, there's a lot of argument about this. I think it's very obvious this guy's a CIA. Uh, he's operating for the CIA. It's kind of a long 
discussion. It's an involved discussion. But he has all the earmarks of a CIA operative. And he's the guy putting down $625,000. Now, he also goes back to British intelligence because Blakey's a, he's actually a Brit. Um, and there's a, whole, there's, there's a whole background there, too. Um, but that brings us up to at least to date with Jim Jones. So who is Jim Jones? Okay. Jim Jones is a guy from Indiana. His father was in the Ku Klux Klan. And as when Jones is a child, he is in this um, super radical fundamentalist Christian group. The, the guys that have tent revivals, play with snakes, speak in tongues, that whole thing. So that's Jim Jones's training ground. And probably he that's where people realized that he had a talent for this sort of thing, because if nothing else, Jim Jones must have been a guy who had tremendous charisma because he was able to talk people into doing all kinds of stuff from a very early age. And go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like he was selling monkeys. So there's like videos of him with monkeys in Guyana too. And if people are watching this on YouTube or Rockfin, you can see this is the map of Guyana. I just looked up the population. Hundred uh, about a million eight hundred thousand in twenty twenty two. I don't know. I don't know what it was in nineteen seventy eight. So not that heavily uh, populated, but the part of Jones Jonestown is in the upper part of Guyana. So it's like yes, Kaitumas or something was the nearest city. Yeah, it's about a it's about one hundred fifty miles from Georgetown, which is the capital, if I remember right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, right. So Jim Jones is a convincing guy. He's a good talker, right? So good he talker. has kind of yeah, and starts selling uh, animals to various universities when he's still a teenager. Um, and some of the, the, one of the interesting things about some of the universities he's selling to is that those universities appear on the lists of universities that were doing business with the government in terms of MK Ultra. So these animals may well have been sold for that purpose to be used in experiments connected to MK Ultra. And the reason that's interesting is because Jonestown appears to be, among other things, uh, some sort of MK Ultra experiment on a on a mass scale. That seems to be one of the things that they were doing. Um, the other thing that, as he gets older, uh, or rather, uh, let me let me back up one time. One thing, Jim Jones's lifelong best friend, like since he was a kid, was a guy named Dan Mitrioni. And Dan Mitrioni is a political operative who is absolutely notorious because what Mitrioni's specialty was, was that he would go into countries mostly in Latin America and he would teach the police how to torture individuals from the populations that were re revolting. So I was like, here's how you stop a revolution. You arrest guys and you torture them. He would put electrodes on guys' testicles, like, this guy was stuff, yeah. Yeah, this guy's crazy. And Mitrioni and Jim Jones, lifelong friends. And everywhere that Mitrioni goes, Jim Jones goes to follow. So, like in the early 60s, Mitrioni's in Brazil and Jim Jones is there too. Um now and all kinds of spooked up things too in Brazil. Like, where does where does Jim Jones get his money? He's yeah. close to Belo Horizonte, uh Mitriona State Department. There's just all kinds of government connections. Uh yes. so, yeah. And this appears to be happening throughout his whole life. It's like he was groomed and, you know, sent on this project. Um, 
to do this stuff, which eventually uh, comes to a head in Jonestown. But before that, there's some really crazy stuff that happens because uh, Jim Jones is a John Bircher Republican. And one of the things he does in the late 60s is he turns out the vote for Richard Nixon and other Republican candidates, including uh, Ronald Reagan. And but all of a sudden. He switches from being a wild John Birch Republican to becoming a Democrat. And when he becomes a Democrat, uh, an assistant DA in San Francisco named Timothy Stone starts introducing Jim Jones to a whole bunch of big Democrats. Walter Mondale, Rosalind Carter, uh, Willie Brown, uh, George Moscone, I think you George knew him. George Moscone, Harvey Milk. Yeah, all these guys, all these major players, Governor Jerry Brown, they get introduced to Jim Jones and they love him. They think he's just terrific. And in fact, uh, George Moscone uh, puts him, puts Jim Jones in charge of the San Francisco Housing Authority. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is completely insane. Jim Jones has no experience in this field. Uh, he has no certifications. He has no licenses. Why does this happen? This I have no answer for you. I have no idea how this happens. Because at the same time he was doing this, he was having all of these sort of mini Jonestowns. So, for example, in Ukiah, California in 65, Jones opens up a clinic where he has elderly people, people with severe mental illnesses, and children all on the same property. And again, he has no medical professional expertise whatsoever. He doesn't have any certifications. How he's allowed to do this? It's so weird. It's almost like a Jimmy Savile thing where, like, they're entrusting him with crazy people like he has like what's this guy doing yeah <clears throat> really like i think he got picked up for uh soliciting a dude in a bathroom around that time i think it was very well hidden and it didn't come out until much later but he was like uh i think he was bisexual or something like he was uh he uh, there was weird weird stuff going on and well and again so. yeah and when you get when you look into this stuff as you know and you go into the spook world that's actually very common yeah um, <clears throat> find that people are sort of uh, and i i heard actually that yeah sexually uh <laughs> far ranging maybe a word i don't know but he was i think when he was in ukiah for people who don't know ukiah is about an hour hour and a half north of san francisco it's a beautiful town um but i think that he was associated with one of the other mk ultra kind of like a federal hospital somewhere up there too like i heard that there were strange going on with that did you ever hear anything about that? Yes. In oh. fact, there was a there was a newspaper reporter, a lady who was on to him um, because there started to be these reports that people who disagreed with Jim Jones had a tendency to disappear. 
Um, and there were a couple of different reporters that were onto him before Jonestown ever happened in the sixties. Um, and then there was another one and her name was, I think Kathy Johnson was her name. And, um, Kathy she, Hunter, Kathy Hunter, Kathy Hunter, Kathy Hunter. Yeah, I have that in my notes. Kathy Hunter was trying to investigate him before, uh, Jonestown happened. And she was essentially kidnapped and knocked out. And she decided to stop pursuing the story at that point. You know, this is like, this is too rough for me, which makes perfect sense. I mean, it was, you know, um, she's lucky not to have been killed. Right. So there were rumblings. Like, so so everywhere he goes, these bad things happen. But he has all of these people who love him and are giving him money and funding and access. Uh, It makes, on paper, it makes no sense. Like how this guy keeps getting all these jobs is crazy. And then how this guy suddenly comes up with, $625,000 in 76 to buy the land to make Jonestown happen uh, is also kind of a miracle. And then (laughs) there are a couple of major uh, sort of uh, liberal uh, people, leftist individuals that say all of these things about how great Jim Jones is. And one of them is Donald Freed. Donald Freed was the author of the play Secret Honor. He also uh, co-wrote the screenplay for Executive Action, which was the first uh, JFK assassination movie. Donald Freed's done a lot of great stuff, like great researcher, terrific writer. But he also said that uh, Jonestown was the next step in Martin Luther King's dream. Wow. Yeah, he totally endorsed Jim Jones. Another guy who did completely endorsed Jim Jones, Mark Lane. And for those who don't know who Mark Lane is, if you've done any work on the Kennedy assassination whatsoever, Mark Lane was the guy who first said publicly that he would be Lee Harvey Oswald's lawyer after Oswald's mother publicly requested one. Now, Mark Lane never got to serve as Oswald's lawyer because he was shot immediately by Jack Ruby. Um, But Lane then wrote the the best-selling book, Rush to Judgment, Uh, on the case he later then he was also james earl ray's lawyer at one point as well it's unbelievable yes and then he became jim jones's lawyer in the late 70s and he is saying the whole time how great jim jones is and this is right up until about a month before jonestown blows up um and he happened to be on site too. Like he got he got secreted out or something, secreted out. Uh, like so, that's also so strange. Like he's involved in all these heavy duty. Like there's just mind control involved in JFK to uh, like all the way through MLK and just all this subterfuge. It's so strange that he's there every time. It's it's and and the, the other thing the, what we haven't mentioned so far and what and what is one of the key things that most people do not know about Jonestown and which I only found out by reading John Judge for the first time back some 20 years ago is that uh Jonestown the the actual people who were doing all the work at Jonestown are uh 90% um about 90% black and about 85% women so the people who are running the camp are, generally speaking, white men and some locals. But the people who are doing the work are almost all black women. 
and almost like a slave colony, right? It almost had to feel like people were working 18 hours a day. Yes. Uh, he Jones is talking on speakers over and over again, just total mind control, environment, fear. And the local people, like they were, people thought that only white people lived there because they never saw anybody from the camp. No one ever came. out and, yes. and we left. Yeah. So yeah. It was, they, they were like, what? There's 800 people there? What? And they didn't know because essentially it was a concentration camp. I mean, you had, so they would fly the women in, they would tie them up, they would beat them, and then they would begin going to work. And like you say, uh, Jim Jones used to do these speeches on the, uh, the radio broadcasts, like in the camp. And you can hear those. Those are on, I think some of them are even on YouTube now. Um, and you can hear all the things that he's saying. And the interesting thing about what the kinds of rhetoric that Jim Jones uses is he's always talking about how the government's trying to put him down and the CIA is going to come get him and all this stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because it, 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 he's talking about this in terms of rhetoric, but it does appear that this is a CIA funded operation. Um, or American and possibly British intelligence funded operation um, because they're the ones who have an interest in getting to this area. And like I say, um, there's been long interest in getting at the materials in Guyana, um, but nobody wants to work there voluntarily. In fact, during around the time of the Balfour Declaration, it was floated this idea that maybe a good place to have Jews immigrate would be Guyana. Hmm. And of course, like that, you know, we're not we're not doing that. Um, <laughs> but it was an idea. And the reason they floated that idea is sheer desperation. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because they're trying to find some way of getting people there to do the work. And this operation serves, I think, a dual purpose. I think on one hand, it's a mass experiment to see how far you can push people. And also, it's this thing of they're trying to actually get out bauxite and uranium and tin and all these natural resources and the mk ultra angle also comes up because of the kinds of drugs that they had at jonestown so they had injectable valium uh they they had thorazine like thousands of doses of this stuff there was enough thorazine to dope the entire city of georgetown if they wanted to what do, what do they need all this stuff for and they said the medical facilities were really nice. Everything else there is dumpy, but like somebody put in a lot of money to uh, have a hospital, like with the highest end stuff and tons of drugs. Just drugs. exactly, exactly. So they're spending all this money on on that area to keep that pristine for, I would say, the doctors and nurses that are actually working there. 
Right. And that the whole thing, like you talk about the intelligence, British, the US, but all these people surrounding Jones had that were kind of almost like elitist or part of an aristocracy yeah. or connected, like very strange, not like what you may be on a real nonprofit or something that was really interested in helping people. It didn't seem like these were the people like uh, that were surrounding Jones. It was like so-and-so has a boat. He's connected to the aristocracy. One yeah. of these guys is alleged to be Shalmar Schacht's son. Like what the heck? Or some relative of a former Nazi. Like what? Yeah. I mean, I work, I work in community mental health. And generally speaking, we don't have aristocrats <laughs> visiting us, you know, who go back to Nazi Germany or that are, you know, like Blakey was literally on his boat on November 18th when this when Jonestown blew up. The guy who put the money down for the camp that is not that is not typical. Uh, that would cause a stir in community mental health if we had a bunch of guys like that running around. Yeah, it would it would they would stick out like a sore thumb. Like you yeah. just know, like yeah, um, yeah. So all kinds of weird things. And I think even in John Judge's essay, he said that it wasn't just a gold mine for like whatever. They were literally on top of like a gold vein or something. Yeah, Jonestown. So there's like yeah. money. Uh, there's money issues all over. Uh, Jonestown and weird and Jones himself dies with like astronomical sums of like seven figures in bank accounts and weird things like where's all this money coming from it's where did, very it, strange. Where did it go yeah and we don't know so um Jim Jones may or may not have committed suicide there's a lot of argument about whether the body that was found there was really Jim Jones or not um he is reported to have shot himself um, the gun that was used to kill him was about 200 feet away from the body when it was found. Um, but there, there's pure confusion with regard to the number of bodies, the number, the, the, everything on that day. Um, and there's, there's tapes that purport to be the tapes of the actual incident. But even that is not clear because at Jonestown, they used to do rehearsals of this sort of stuff. So there were other tapes that exist that have these chaotic sounds and all this stuff going on because they used to rehearse what would happen if, you know, they all had to kill themselves. The key thing that everybody knows about Jonestown that every, and it drives me crazy every single time I hear it is don't drink the Kool-Aid, right? Even if people know absolutely nothing else about Jonestown, they always know don't drink the Kool-Aid. And the one thing that I try to make clear in my zine, and this is something that John Judge talked about as well, that is a complete lie. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, that Jonestown was not a mass suicide. Even if uh, people had, quote unquote, drank the Kool-Aid, they would have done so under duress because there were armed guards pointing weapons at them. So even that is not really a suicide. If I force you to drink poison, that's not a suicide. Um, but by and large, that is not what the coroner 
found. It was a guy named Dr. Mutu. He was the Guyanese coroner who was brought in. And unfortunately, um, because when the army came in after the Jonestown massacre happened, they left the bodies out for three or four days before they allowed any of them to be um, viewed. And so the bodies, they're, they're in a jungle. And so the bodies are in a terrible condition by the time they're able to uh, get a coroner to look at them. And then the coroner was only able to look at a fraction of the bodies. There's a lot of confusion about the number of people who died. The initial reports were that there were about 400 bodies that ballooned to what is normally an accepted figure of 913. Um, but that doesn't account for everybody. There was about 1200 people. So it's really not, it's not known what happened to those other people. Um, it's not known if 913 is really correct. And in the initial reports, the U.S. press tried to say that uh, the Guyanese people couldn't count, which is how they screwed up the numbers. Uh, they said that the bodies were on top of children. So therefore, they were hiding some of the bodies. If you've seen any of the photos of Jonestown, uh, you would know that this is ridiculous. There's no evidence whatsoever for any bodies being on top of any bodies. So, but for whatever, you know, whatever the circumstances, the final generally accepted number is 913. Although occasionally you'll find different numbers in different articles. Um, but of those people, Mutu thought that 80 to 90% of them had been murdered. Um, some of them had been shot, had received an injection in the back of their neck. And some of them had been shot, like with a gun. Um, but what he did not find was any suicides. Um, and one of the people who died at Jonestown, and I mentioned him very briefly at the beginning of our talk, is Timothy Stone. That is to say, the assistant district attorney who introduced Jim Jones to Walter Mondale and all these people, he ended up dying at Jonestown. And what Dr. Mutu said is that somebody had, had uh, used a syringe to inject him in the mouth with... Uh, a chemical that killed him. Wow! With poison. And it was known that Jones used doubles, right? So that he was kind—he of, had all kinds of trappings of an intel asset. Yes, doubles, just all kinds of. Really so did he die that day? Did we? I, I mean, I don't know. And there's a recording they have on audio of Jones and his voice. Get Dwyer out of here, right? Yes, and Dwyer's a fully spooked up State Department asset. Dwyer, I think, yeah, Richard Dwyer was the um, the CIA head there in the uh, the Guyanese area. I think he was in Georgetown. Uh, but yeah, Dwyer and, and Jim Jones, which is funny because Jim Jones frequently um, talked about Dwyer as in his talks. He would say, the CIA is coming to get us. You know, Richard Dwyer is this guy's coming. And then on that day, he's saying, get Dwyer out of here. Um, and I, I also, I neglected to mention something very important because we kind of, we, we skipped over right to the bodies. The thing that blew all of this up was that the parents of Timothy Stone complained to the San Francisco government that uh, Timothy Stone had he, he had lost contact with him, with their son, after he'd gone to Jonestown. And in the wake of that, Harvey Milk wrote a letter defending Jonestown and saying how great Jim Jones was. But... Congressman Leo Ryan took the Stone's parents seriously, and Leo Ryan flew 
to Guyana to go see what was happening to his constituents. And Leo Ryan was, he was the real deal. Um, I mean, he may have been a little bit crazy to fly to Guyana. Um, he had done other things like that. Leo Ryan had gotten himself uh, put into a sanitarium to test the conditions, right? Yeah, like, he was a remarkable guy. He antagonized the CIA before this whole thing. So the Hughes he was on Ryan, their list, yeah. Yeah, the Hughes-Ryan Amendment of 1974, which attempted to put some controls on both the Central Intelligence Agency and the Department of Defense. Uh, they wanted to have some kind of authority so that they would report what they were doing because they were doing all sorts of black operations. Um, so yeah, Leo Ryan had been a thorn in the government side for a while. And when he flew down to Guyana, he ended up being shot to death on the tarmac of the plane as they were trying to escape. Uh, remarkable guy. But when yeah, they the killed... First time, yeah, the first time I think a congressperson got a Medal of Honor or had been killed yeah. in the line of duty or like, like really strange. He was like Frank Church. He reminded me of Frank Church, Church Committee. He exactly. was from the same cloth. I think he was from Nebraska or something like they're like flyover, flyover. Western type something like that. Hey, but he was, you know, he was the real deal. He was he was concerned for his constituents. And the most dangerous position to put yourself in at any point is to be an honest politician. Yeah, no doubt. If you don't play ball, this is what happens. And they said when they're shooting, there were rumors that the, the hitmen who were never really investigated. That's another interesting thing about Jonestown is the Guyanese government didn't give a uh, a red scent about anything. They didn't try to track down the assassins. There was no commission, no investigative body, which is really strange. But they said the hitmen, who I think some were never found, I don't even know if guys were even uh, arrested for it, they selectively shot certain people on the tarmac and, and left some people alive. Like yes. They just, they, they were, it seemed like we're getting this guy, we got to get this guy, we got to get this guy. Jackie and, Spears survived and had a really great political career. And that was, I think, one of Ryan's. Assistance or something, I forgot what is aid. Yeah, no, they, they describe the shooters as being sort of robotic and blank as they're firing. Um, you know, whether that's also evidence of you know some kind of MK Ultra mind control, I couldn't tell you. Um, but there are witnesses that describe them as being very sort of coldly and robotically shooting. Um, but it was that it was the murder of Leo Ryan that caused all of Jonestown to blow up because. You can't cover that up anymore. You know, if you machine gun a congressman to death right. uh, on the tarmac, at that point, the whole thing is blown. Right. So that's what led to the murder. What the public was suicide. It was a yeah. huge cover up of everything from the very beginning. So very careful, like, hey, these people all killed themselves. They were all upset about. I mean, I forgot what the cover story was. It was a large group of disillusioned, disillusioned black people. You know, did the whole thing was a total fabric fabrication, like for the public. And I don't know if a lot of the really true information broke out uh, to the public. Of what so it did a little bit. So what what I found when I was researching this stuff, I was going through um, old newspaper columns, is that some of the reporting, some of the things were reported. So, for example, you know, I could find an article in the Miami Herald that described Dr. Mutu's findings as a coroner. Um, and then later, his work was criticized by a number of other American coroners, including Cyril Wacht. Uh, uh -huh. But it was it was the coroner there in Guyana was operating under horrible conditions and doing the best he could. Um, but as far as the 
so what happened this happens with every news story okay if you're looking to find out what happens you can find out what happens with extant sources but the ones that get repeated in the associated press and the ones that become the story they at a certain point it does become monolithic so within the early reporting you can find these stories but that 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 at some point they fall out and then everybody agrees this is what happened so regardless of the stories that you find at the time or maybe in the in the 6 months after uh the incident at a certain point it becomes solidified that it was a group of suicides it was you know don't drink the Kool-Aid and it wasn't even Kool-Aid it was flavored um and all the other stuff fades. And anytime the story gets reported on, it's the five-year anniversary of Jonestown. It's the 10-year anniversary of Jonestown. It's the 20-year anniversary of Jonestown. The story is always is, you know, the anniversary of this terrible incident where everybody killed themselves. Right. And none of that is true. Right. And I listened to another, it was audio from Joseph Holsinger. I don't know if you're familiar. He was an aide to Ryan. And he yep. pretty much had the same view as John Judge. Like they almost, they had different facts here and there, but it was basically the same sort of some, something weird's going on. These guys were like, he found that they were getting checkups all the time. Like they were patients, like so strange, like constant medical checkups. Like, well, and I would just, things, yeah. and, and, and I'm sure that part is true because we know from other incidents, the kind of work that they did. So uh, to take one example, the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, which ran from for 40 years um, where they deliberately um, treated these black men without giving them penicillin and yeah, just, syphilis, right? Yeah. They, they had syphilis and they just allowed them to pass along syphilis to their children and then their children's children and never gave them the medication that they would need to cure the syphilis, which meant they died very painful deaths you know, insanity, all the things that happen to you when you have syphilis, which is a terrible disease. Terrible. Yeah, terrible. And they just took notes. So they just created a huge public record of 40 years of what happens when people have syphilis. They just didn't care. Yeah, that wasn't and, that long ago either. No, it, it yeah. ended in 72. And the only reason it ended is because a reporter finally told the story, broke the story of what was happening. That's what you're up against. Yeah, no doubt. And there's like weird, there's just so many weird stories about Jonestown, this nexus point of all these strange characters, Lane and this guy you were talking about, like he ended up in Granada. Like and that's but then we invade Granada. The only thing that got the only thing that got blown up in Granada was their hospital. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So somebody wanted to destroy the records there too, or whatever. And whatever. and Granada had had um they had elected a slightly socialist leader. Right. So it wasn't they just made it out to be the worst. Didn't they fake the the that people were um hostages? I forgot what yes. it was. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they said there were all these hostages. There were no <sighs> yeah, just... and then Clint Eastwood made Heartbreak Ridge about how great that whole thing was and how we came in there as rescuers. Yeah, I, I would like to see who his financing people are for some of those movies. I bet they're pretty you know, they're I bet they're similar to the people around Jones, you yeah. know. But it ends up being so. the Pentagon a lot of times, which uh, there have been a couple of books now written about that, about the Pentagon. Uh, yeah, no, I, I had one a guy on as a guest. I wish I could remember his name offhand. But yeah, he talks about yeah. all that. Um, 
Yeah, but the Jonestown's is just an incredible event, and it shows the dangers and some of these programs. Just like you said, Tuskegee, like these guys are financed. Jones, there, Jones was like uh, handled. He was puppeteered or something strange. So like he wasn't independent. He had too many strange friends and assets. Like, like the numbers about his numbers were like some guys said a billion. Like what the hell? Where did yeah. a billion dollars come from? Like that well, and he was he was partnered up with certain organizations. Um, one of them was World Vision International. Right. Which, if you're World Vision International, that's John Hinckley worked for them. Mark David Chapman worked for them. These are the accused assassins of, of John Lennon and, and the attempted assassin of, of Ronald Reagan. Um, World Vision pops up like a bad penny in these places, and it's a CIA front. Yeah, and Hinckley Sr., I think, worked for yeah. World Vision or did something. Like he was, he was like, like when I think when Reagan got shot, Hinckley Sr. was like, traveling to a world vision thing i don't know what, which one it was lennon or reagan but he was doing something for world vision the same day uh, i've got to go back that's a whole nother show but i mean when <laughs> yeah. you look at the facts around jones it's really the facts are really disturbing they're hard to believe of all the stuff that yes and, and then they, and it yeah. and it leads to the further question is if if i'm able to get all these facts and may brussel was able to get all these facts and john judge was able to get all the facts why does nobody know this right because they trust the media and they think it's a good the true story because the, the real facts are far more disturbing like absolutely that these poor people were taken advantage of and it wasn't it was the pub the thing is what the public saw of Jonestown is this racial harmony the solving of the race relationship people in peace say, saying the nice things mm -hmm. uh, they, but they didn't see the ugliness inside and Jones was an ugly character like he was abusing people all the time like just in the worst Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office More than once actually Do I have to say? Yes you do In the car before my kids PTA meeting Really? Yes Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell Well there you have it, you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com Play for free right now Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary, void prohibited by law 18 plus, terms and conditions apply, see website for details possible way like yeah really bad so yeah it's a tough story but it's good i want i you know it's just an unbelievable part of american history i think that then the, the other thing about jonestown is there was killings like they talked about you talked about this hunter woman and the mm -hmm. people dying the what was the seven mysterious deaths but there were hits and stuff outside of jonestown too so yeah there was somebody gonna write a book and a couple got killed like it wasn't yeah. just at jonestown no, no, no. He had had a pattern of this behavior for a while. Um, and, and it looks to me like places like Ukiah, there were kind of mini Jonestowns where they're, they're sort of starting to, to do the experimentation um, and starting to figure out like what would be needed to make something like this work, work in their terms, of course. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. There were people disappearing all the time. And, and somebody like Kathy Hunter was like a Penn Jones in the JFK case. She was, she was chasing the trail of bodies or the trail of people who have disappeared off the planet after having a disagreement with, with Jim Jones. Right. The couple was Jeannie and Al Mills intended to yep. write a book and were murdered at home, bound and shot Yep, like really cold blooded stuff. <clears throat> and, uh, and the other thing, there was a story about Mark Lane and Hunter. She said that Hunter came out, Lane came after her and falsely identified himself as a reporter for Esquire yeah. rather than Jim Jones's attorney. Like, wow like this is well, incredible yeah. 
Yeah, and Mark Lane had also so Mark Lane and Charles Gary. Charles Gary was a, a lawyer for the Black Panthers, and they were both uh, lawyers for Jim Jones. Um, Lane had also admitted later. This is after, and this this stuff appeared in newspapers. Um, Lane admitted that he knew more about what was happening at Jonestown than he let on. Like even as as it was coming, he also had he knew that uh for example when there was visitors to jonestown that there was drugs valium and whatnot being put into sandwiches and that instead of warning everybody about it he just decided not to eat any of the sandwiches um so at that point lane is like a co-conspirator if that's happening right i'm sure he doesn't want to be remembered in history that way but no just the fact that he's there yeah yeah and he he had this whole story about how he was Lost in the jungle, and he tore pieces of his underwear up to make himself a Hansel and Gretel trail to escape. I mean, it's a it's a really nonsensical story. It is interesting, very interesting indeed. And then somebody brought in, like, I mean, the the notorious figure of all time in the MK Ultra community, Jolly West, because there was these things have the Center for the Reduction of Violence was happening. Yes. Yeah. So this is like what's going like maybe they're doing something associated with that around that time. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Like so when they when the experimentation's happening, I I feel like uh, there was this thing actually that um uh I think Frank Zappa wrote a song about it, but confinement loaf. In other words, that if you had prisoners in jail that you could feed them mild sedatives so that they would no longer be aggressive. Uh and that's yeah. And if Jolly West is there, um, you know that at some point along with that, that you're also going to get uh, electrodes and mental stimulation and God knows what else. Right. Delgado, Jose Delgado, right? Jose so, Delgado. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the famous or infamous video. You can watch it on YouTube of him controlling a big aggressive bull with uh, yep. implants, brain implants. I'm sure and Neuralink will never do anything like that. Thank God. You oh, can no, totally no. trust Elon Musk. Yeah, uh, no. you know, I will happily take a Neuralink. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm actually sorry. That's all in the past. We're much better now. We're high, more yeah, high yeah, right, We're moral. Right. Yeah, we're... we've investigated ourselves. That's my favorite one. The <laughs> FBI used that. We've investigated ourselves, and we're making changes. Exactly. No need to worry. One of the interesting facts that I learned too from John Judge is that there were other encampments there in Guyana. Like that is so weird. Hilltown. And yes. then they, yeah. Can you talk? Do you, do you remember anything? About yeah. No, John talked about that because there were different, it, it, and, I, and again, we don't really know what was going on, but what I assume was going on is that these are, they're doing different things to different groups of people. So they have a division set up so that this camp is here and this camp is here. And at this camp, we're going to do this kind of thing. And at this camp, we're going to do this other kind of thing. And I think those things have to do uh, two things, like I've been like I've been saying. One is how do we most effectively get at the material that's in this area? But but secondly, and possibly more importantly, uh, what are the best ways to control people? So these experiments that are mass experiments, uh, if we give everybody a certain something to drink, if we put electrodes in their head, and then we need a control group when we're doing this experimental group. And that's also what I assume some of those things were too. So we're going to have a control group here who are not getting the, you know, confinement loaf or the electrodes or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so they're doing quote unquote real science, um, which is like horribly unethical uh, on live human beings. 
Yeah, it's incredible. It really is incredible what they've done. And I mean, it's just part of the bigger tapestry of the MK Ultra, just all over the place, testing yep. on people. God only knows. I mean, there were stories too. I think it was in John Judge's thing of like boxes of material with papers that people were really concerned about and they had to secret those away. So like so strange, like in a real kind of like uh what would it be like a like a commune or something you never have those issues like i've been yeah, in california so I, yeah i've seen communes i went to berkeley i know what goes on <laughs> nothing weird like that nobody has any secret papers you no. know it's just like nothing like that would ever happen so something just incredibly and, wild was going and we know that richard helms openly bragged about having mk ultra materials destroyed um, and he had to, you know, they, they, uh, the government Congress fined him for it. And a bunch of CIA agents all passed the hat around to pay for his fine, uh, because he had done this heroic thing by destroying all right. of the ultra. You can trust him. He's, they're monitoring themselves. You can totally trust those people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's unbelievable. Like, I'm sure that they have something. I mean, they probably just got rid of papers that were, uh, they just didn't need any more because they already found too much information. They distilled it down. No doubt. Who knows? There's probably somewhere in the CIA has all that information. And God only knows the skill. I mean, I've talked to some, well, there's some guys out there who are like the, the MK Ultra capacities now are, are like, have, have gotten even more skilled. Yeah. They can hypnotize people through your computer and weird things and voice to school stuff. So it gets pretty, gets pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> the rise of technology do you want to take a question i got a question from joker he asked does, does cointel pro have an influence here have you heard anything like that mm, not directly that i'm aware of i mean but you know we have to know that one of the things that cointel pro was worried about was of course destroying a quote-unquote black messiah so i don't think it's accidental that it ends up being you know black women at jonestown or that jim jones his rhetoric, and this is maybe, I didn't stress this point enough, but when you listen to the way that Jim Jones talks, it kind of mirrors the way that some of the Black Panther leaders talk, like Huey Newton in particular, um, because some of the Black Panthers were very heavily theoretical and would talk about Marxism and Marxist principles. And some of them weren't, you know, Bobby Seale was more pragmatic. And, you know, one of the things that, that Bobby Seale told me is that, you know, he, I was talking about Huey Newton's war against the Panthers um, and uh, war against the Panthers is a PhD thesis that, that Bobby, that uh, Huey wrote and Bobby Silla said, you got to understand that's an academic thesis. So he put less importance on that because he was more practical. He wanted to get the people going, but I do think it's interesting that Jim Jones's rhetoric does somewhat mirror the kind of rhetoric that some of the black Panthers were using. Um, I think and, he directly quoted Huey Newton often yeah. in one of his ramblings or whatever, whatever you call him. I'm yeah. pretty sure, like at least on that, what, whatever they called the last night, I think he referenced something by Newton. And, and part part of the deal of all of this, I believe, is to smear those leftist movements. Like this is part of a coordinated attack to make leftist movements seem terrible. Right. It would make perfect sense. It would yeah. make perfect sense around that time because that would explain the flip of Jones. Yes. It would explain Operation Chaos. It would explain Revolution's End, another book I did about the Symbionese Liberation Army. Same yeah. area. Like yeah. literally the Bay Area. Yeah. So another thing to make obvious that was an obvious uh government operation to make the left. Vacaville. 
yeah, Vacaville, the whole bit. And mm -hmm. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother show too, but it's a great <laughs> book by uh, Brad Schreiber. Excellent book. Yeah, the best, one of the best. Highly recommend. So good. And now none of the African-American guys fell for DeFreeze or whatever he called it. Cinque. No, right, yeah. It's all well-meaning kind of middle-class left-wingers. They knew he was a, they knew there was, he was, there was just something about him that glowed, as they say these days. Um, Joe, we're kind of at the hour mark. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed? How do you like to just kind of wrap up? The yeah, no, I, I, uh, uh, I appreciate, you know, getting to talk about this. Uh, Jonestown is one of those things that is not often discussed, uh, but perhaps should be studied. Because uh, I think there's there's a lot of interesting parallels to other things as we've been talking about. Um, and if you want to uh, find more of my stuff, it's on uh, Joe Green JFK. I, I I see on the screen there you got Microcosm Publishing up, so that's my zine about the Black Panthers. Um, I've written a few other zines about JFK and uh, MLK and uh, Teddy Kennedy and other things. Um, but uh, Joe Green JFK is kind of the, the locus, and then you can find the Hidden History Center and say something real press and all the other things that I'm associated with. Gotcha. And so Joe Green JFK is kind of your primary website. Is that yeah. Right? Yeah. Gotcha. So I'll put a link to that. And if people have any other, other questions, if they listen to this, is that the best place to reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So they can reach out and ask questions. Are you on social media at all, or is that the best way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find me on, uh, I'm still I'm still on Twitter or still X. Like uh, I don't know how long that's going to last, but I'm still on there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all the usual stuff. So, yeah. Cool. So it's Joe E. Joseph E. Green. Yes. To differentiate you from the other Joe Greens that are out there. And today we talked about part nine in his CIA makes science fiction unexciting. And the title of this zine is Intro to the Jonestown Massacre Conspiracies. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Stay there. Stay there. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.